leave me alone. Give me some space. Give me some time to gather my thoughts. I want some peace and quiet for a change. I need to get away from the rat race. All those common expressions, my brothers and sisters, are ways of affirming the very same truth. Quiet is good. They use another well-known adage, silence is golden. These days, very few of us have enough of it, and I include myself in that. We live, unfortunately, in what has to be the noisiest era of human history. Most especially, I would say, because of all the technological gizmos that we have at our disposal, many of which were sold to us with the idea that they would make our lives simpler and easier. And to some extent, I suppose they had. But they've also caused us to be bombarded by noise, lots of noise, almost incessant noise all day long. We even have what I would call silent noise to contend with. You know, that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not. Silent noise includes activities like text messaging and tweeting and emailing. You know, all those things we do when we're not talking on the phone, listening to our iPod or the radio, playing a video game, watching television or a movie. Is it any wonder that so many people in our modern world cannot deal with silence? The lack of noise positively freaks them out. Is it any wonder that so many of our young people cannot focus their attention on one thing for more than two minutes? Psychologists usually say it's ADD or ADHD, but at times I think it's because these young people OD. They OD, they overdose, so to speak, on the nonstop noise in their lives. I mention this today because this noise saturation that we all have to deal with affects our relationship with God, or it affects that relationship directly. That's because our most profound encounters with the Lord usually happen in the quiet silence of our hearts. Based on this morning's first reading, you might choose to call this the Elijah rule of the spiritual life. There, as we heard a few moments ago, Elijah the prophet encounters God on Mount Horeb. But notice this encounter does not come in the noise doesn't happen with the howling wind and the crashing rocks. It doesn't happen in the earthquake or in the noisy havoc caused by the fire. Elijah meets the Lord in the tiny whispering sound. That is to say, in the experience of almost total silence. Today's gospel, in its own way, I would say, makes the same point. Yes, the apostles meet Jesus on the Sea of Galilee in the midst of a very noisy storm, their deepest encounter with the Lord happens afterward in the silence of their hearts as they allow the experience they just had to sink in and strengthen their faith. The text reads, after they got into the boat, the wind died down. In other words, it got very quiet. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, truly you are the Son of God. So I ask you this morning, how often do you go before the Lord in silence? Do you ever go before the Lord in that way? Do you make the effort, for example, to be here early for Mass each week so that you can spend a few minutes in quiet prayer, getting ready to meet the Lord in word and in sacrament? How comfortable are you with the 
longer period of silence that Father Neji was asked us to have after communion here at St. Pius. And what about Eucharistic adoration? Have you made that a part of your spiritual life? You know, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament provides us Catholics with the perfect opportunity to meet our Lord, to encounter our Lord in the silence. That's true even when the Eucharist is in the tabernacle and not exposed in the monstrous on the altar. Now, if you're like me, you do way too much talking and not enough listening during adoration. And that affects the quality of the experience, to be sure. But at least during adoration, the atmosphere is right. During adoration, the atmosphere is right for us to have a profound encounter with our God. I sat down once and made a little list of some of the great benefits that can, that can come to us from spending time each week in quiet prayer in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Here they are. Benefit number one, adoration provides us with an opportunity to hear God speak to us through a word of Scripture that we might happen to read during the Holy Hour or even in the silence of our hearts. Number two, adoration provides us with an opportunity take our important decisions to the Lord and to receive guidance and insight from him on those decisions. Number three, adoration opens us up to the special blessings our God has for us. Number four, adoration gives us an opportunity to evaluate our own lives soberly and accurately in the light of God's revealed truth. Another way of saying that is it gives us the opportunity to examine our conscience, which we all need to do. Number five, adoration gives us an opportunity to get away. And it's a lot cheaper than a ticket on Southwest Airlines. Number six, adoration gives us a chance to reprioritize, which we need to do from time to time, and to be revitalized, which we can all use. And finally, number seven, adoration gives us the opportunity to, in the words of the letter to the Hebrews, cast all our cares on the Lord, who cares for us. That, of course, is not an exhaustive list of possible benefits. Some of you could add others, I'm sure, based on your own experience of praying to the Lord in this way. Let me close this morning by giving the last word on this subject to some holy men and women of church history. Here's what they say about adoration or have said. First, St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, she wrote, The time you spend with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is the best time you will spend on earth. Each moment that you spend with Jesus will deepen your union with him and make your soul everlastingly more glorious and beautiful in heaven and will help to bring about everlasting peace on earth. St. Peter of Alcantara said, Our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament has his hands full of graces and he is ready to bestow them on anyone who asks for them. Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who made a Eucharistic holy hour every single day of his priestly life, said, Neither theological knowledge nor social action alone is enough to keep us in love with Christ, unless both are preceded by a personal encounter with him. Theological insights are gained not only from between two covers of a book, but from two knees bent before the altar. The holy hour becomes like an oxygen tank to revive the breath of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the foul and fetid atmosphere of the world. And once again, Mother Teresa, when the sisters are exhausted up to their eyes in work, 
and all seems to go awry, they spend an hour in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. His practices never fail to bear fruit. They experience peace and strength. And finally, my own insight, which is far less profound than these others, but equally true, I believe, Eucharistic adoration can be for us a remedy, God's remedy, God's great spiritual remedy given to us so that we don't overdose on all the noise in our lives.